I sometimes read uh, public domain books here on Leaves of Glen. And they were written a long time ago, uh, so they're usually uh, racist or sexist or bigoted. Uh, but in there somewhere and all that is a, a story, and that's why those stories are famous. Other times, I read uh, works from independent authors, and they're delightfully not racist, but they might have adult language or adult situations. So that's your warning, uh, but I'm sure you uh, are grown up enough to handle it. Don't write to me complaining. Well, nothing's going on with me, like every time I talk about this, and I got nothing to talk about. I've done everything to my house I can possibly do. I've done everything in my yard I could possibly do. I tore up a carpet in my daughter's bedroom because it smells like dog pee, and I scrubbed that, and it's kind of the highlight of my weekend. And, uh, yeah, I got, uh, work starting this week, but you still work from home, so you don't see human beings face to face. So the only thing that'll be different from what the life I'm already living is just that I'll get a lot of emails, messages and stuff, demands to do things. Sure never took the furlough. I am closer to insanity now than I've ever been. I've started sleeping in other rooms of the house just to try and change things up. Uh, my bedroom, I just think, Ugh, I don't want to sleep in there. I'm sick of it. So I slept on the couch. And I was like, Ugh, I don't want to sleep on the couch anymore. So I slept in one of my daughter's rooms when they weren't here. Uh, it's gross and it's weird. So something's got to give. I got to figure out some sort of new uh, safe hobby that doesn't involve being around people besides being in my house. I got to get out of this thing. The other day, Walked down the basement, and there was a giant spider hanging from a thread right in front of my face. And the thing was huge. It wasn't huge because it was close to my face, and it looked bigger than normal. Uh, when I backed up and looked at it, it was still really, really big. Uh, so now I'm down here recording and terrified that that thing is crawling around, watching me, judging me. Well, with that, let's learn about uh, this week's book and the author. Let's learn about the author, shall we? Charlotte Perkins Gilman. Gilman. Wow, they have a pronunciation on here. Uh, born July 3rd, 1860, and died August 17th, 1935. Also known as Charlotte Perkins Stetson. Her first married name was a prominent American humanist, novelist, writer of short stories, poetry, and nonfiction, and a lecturer for social reform. She was a utopian feminist and served as a role model for future generations of feminists because of her unorthodox concepts and lifestyle. She has been inducted into the National Women's Hall of Fame. Her best-remembered work today is her semi-autobiographical short story, The Yellow Wallpaper, which we'll be reading today, which she wrote about a severe bout of postpartum psychosis. Uh, less well-known are Gilman's views on race, to solve the so-called, quote, Negro problem, unquote, in the United States, uh, this is getting, getting tricky, <clears throat> in the early 20th century, Gilman suggested a system of state-organized labor that she called enlistment. That's a little 
A little tricky, but let's move on and read the story. The Yellow Wallpaper by Charlotte Perkins Gilman It is very seldom that mere ordinary people like John and myself secure ancestral halls for the summer. Ah, colonial mansion, a hereditary estate, I would say a haunted house, and reach the height of romantic felicity. But that would be asking too much of fate. Still, I will profoundly declare that there is something queer about it. Else, why should it be let so cheaply? And why have stood so long unattended? John laughs at me, of course, but one expects that in marriage. John is a practical in the extreme. He has no patience with faith, an intense horror of superstition, and he scoffs openly at any talk of things, uh, not to be felt and seen, but put down in figures. John is a physician, and perhaps, I would not say it to a living soul, of course, but this is dead paper and a great relief to my mind, perhaps that is one reason I do not get well faster. You see... He does not believe I am sick. And what can one do? If a physician of high standing and one's own husband assures friends and relatives that there is really nothing the matter with one but temporary nervous depression, a slight hysterical tendency, what is one to do? My brother is also a physician and also of high standing, and he says the same thing. So I take phosphates, or phosphites, whichever it is, and tonics, and journeys, and air, and exercise, and am absolutely forbidden to, quote, work, until I am well again. Personally, I disagree with their ideas. Personally, I believe that congenial work with excitement and change would do me good. Yeah, but what is one to do? I did write for a while in spite of them. It does exhaust me a good deal, having to be so sly about it, or else meet with heavy opposition. I sometimes fancy... That in my condition, if I had less opposition and more society and stimulus, eh, but John says the very worst thing I can do in this is think about my condition, and I confess it always makes me feel bad. So I'll let it alone and talk about the uh, house. Oh, the most beautiful place, exclamation point, is quite alone, standing well back from the road, quite three miles from the village. Ah, it makes me think of English places that you read about. For there are hedges and walls and gates that lock, and lots of separate little houses for the gardeners and people. There is a delicious garden. I never saw such a garden, large and shady, full of box-bordered paths and lined with long grape-covered arbors, with seats under them. Yeah, there are greenhouses, too, but they're all broken. Now, there was some legal trouble, I believe, something about the heirs and co-heirs. Anyhow, that place has been empty for years. That spoils my ghostliness, I'm afraid. But I don't care. There's something strange about the house. I can feel it. I even said to John one moonlight evening, yeah, but he said that what I felt was a draught and shut the window. I get unreasonably angry with John sometimes, but I'm never sure I used to be so sensitive. I think it's due to this nervous condition. But John says, if I feel so, I shall neglect proper self-control. So I take pains to control myself, before him at least. And that makes me eh, very tired. I don't like our room a bit. I wanted one downstairs that opened on the piazza and had roses all over the window and such pretty old-fashioned chintz hangings, but John would not hear of it. He said there was only one window and not room for two beds and uh, no near room for him if he took another. He's very careful and loving. <laughs> 
and hardly lets me stir without special direction. I have a scheduled prescription for each hour in the day. He takes care of all that for me. And so I feel basically ungrateful uh, not to value it more. He said we came here solely on my account. And that I was to have a perfect rest and all the air I could get. Uh, Your exercise depends on your strength, my dear, he said. And your food, somewhat on your appetite. But air, you can absorb all the time. So he took the nursery at the top of the house. It was a big, uh, airy room, the whole floor nearly, with windows that look all ways and air and sunshine galore. It was a nursery first, and then a playground and gymnasium. Uh, I should judge, for the windows are barred, uh, for little children, and there are rings and things in the walls. Uh. The paint and paper look as if the boy's school had used it. It stripped off the paper in great patches all around the head of my bed. This sounds horrible. About as far as I can reach. And in a great place on the other side of the room, low down, I never saw worse paper in my life. One of those sprawling flamboyant patterns committing every artistic sin. It is dull enough to confuse the eye and following, pronounced enough to constantly irritate and provoke study. And when you follow the lame, uncertain curves uh, for a little distance, they suddenly commit suicide and plunge off at outrageous angles, destroy themselves in unheard of contradictions. The color... As repellent, almost revolting, a smoldering, unclean yellow, strangely faded by the slow-turning sunlight. It is a dull yet lurid orange in some places, a sickly sulfur tint in others. And no wonder the children hated it, exclamation point. I should have hated myself if I had to live in this room long. And there comes John, and I must put this away. He hates to have me write a word. We've been here... Two weeks, and I haven't felt like writing before since that first day. I'm sitting by the window now of this atrocious nursery, and there's nothing to hinder my writing as much as I please, save a lack of strength. John is away all day, and even some nights when his cases are serious. And I'm glad my case is not serious, but these nervous troubles are dreadfully depressing. John does not know how much I really suffer. He knows there is no reason to suffer, and that satisfies him. Of course, it's only nervousness. It does weigh on me uh, not to uh, do my duty in any way. I meant to be such a help to John, uh, such a real rest and comfort, and here I am, a comparative burden already. Nobody would believe uh, what an effort it is to do what little I am able, to dress and entertain and order things. It is fortunate Mary is so good with the baby, uh, such a dear baby, and yet I cannot be with him. It makes me so nervous. I suppose John never was nervous in his life. Ah, he laughs at me about this wallpaper. At first he meant to repair the room, but afterwards he said that I was letting it get the better of me and that nothing was far worse for a nervous patient than to give way to such fancies. He said that after the wallpaper was changed, it would be the heavy bedstead, and then it would be the barred windows, and then the gate at the head of the stairs, and so on. Jesus, this place sounds horrible. Plus you're confined to one room. You know, the place is doing you good, he said. And really, dear, I don't care to renovate the house just for a three months rental. Then do let us go downstairs, I said. There are such pretty rooms there. And he took me in his arms and called me a blessed little goose. And said he would go down cellar if I wished and have it whitewashed into the bargain. 
but he's right enough about the beds and the windows and things. It is airy and comfortable room, as anyone need wish. And of course, I would not be so silly as to make him uncomfortable just for a whim. I'm getting really quite fond of the big room, all with that horrid wallpaper. Out of one window, I can see the garden, those mysterious deep-shaded arbors and riotous old-fashioned flowers and bushes and gnarly trees. Out of the other, I get a lovely view of the bay and a little private wharf belonging to the estate. There's a beautiful shaded lane that runs down there from the house. I always fancy I see people walking in numerous paths and arbors, but John has cautioned me not to give way to fancy in the least. He says that with my imaginative power and habit of story-making, a nervous weakness like mine is sure to lead all manner of excited fancies, and that I ought to use my will and good sense to check the tendency. So I try. I think, sometimes, if I were only a little well enough to write a little, it'd relieve the press of ideas and rest me. But I find I get pretty tired when I try. It is uh, so discouraging not to have any advice and companionship about my work. When I get really well, John says, uh, we will ask Cousin Henry and Julia down for a long visit. But he says he would as soon put fireworks in my pillowcase as to let me have those stimulating people about now. I wish I could get well faster. But I must not think about that. This paper looks to me as if it knew what a vicious influence it had. There's a recurrent spot uh, where the pattern lolls like a broken neck and two bulbous eyes stare at you upside down. I get positively angry yeah, with the impertinence of it and the everlastingness. Up and down and sideways they crawl. Those absurd, unblinking eyes are everywhere. There's one place where two breaths didn't match and the eyes go all up and down the line, yeah, like a little higher than the other. I never saw so much expression in an animate thing before, and we all know how much expression they have. I used to lie awake as a child and get more entertainment and terror out of a blank wall and plain furniture than most children could find in toys. I remember what a kindly wink the knobs of our big old bureau used to have. There was one chair that always seemed like a strong friend. I used to feel that if any other things looked too fierce, I could always hop into that chair and be safe. The furniture in this room is no worse and inharmonious. However, for we had to bring it all from downstairs, I suppose... This was uh, used as a playroom, that they had to take the nursery things out, and no wonder. I never saw such ravages as the children have made here. The wallpaper, as I said before, is torn off in spots, and it sticketh closer than a brother. Yeah, they must have had perseverance, as well as hatred. Then the floor is scratched and gouged and splintered, and the plaster itself dug out here and there, and the great heavy bed, which is all we found in the room, looks as if it had been there through the wars. I don't mind it a bit. Only the paper. There comes John's sister. Oh, such a dear girl as she is. And so careful of me. I must not let her find me writing. She is a perfect and enthusiastic housekeeper and hopes for no better profession. I verily believe she thinks it is the writing which made me sick. But I can write when she's out and see her a long way off from these windows. There is one that commands the road, lovely shaded winding road, and one that just looks off over the country. A lovely country, too, full of great elms and velvet meadows. This wallpaper has a kind of sub-pattern in a different shade, a particularly irritating one, for you can only see it in certain lights, and not clearly then. But in the places where it isn't so faded and where the sun is just so, I can see a strange, eh, provoking, formless sort of figure. 
that seems to sulk about behind the silly and conspicuous front design. There's sister on the stairs. Well, the 4th of July is over. The people are gone and I am tired out. John thought it might do me good to see a little company and so we just had mother and Nellie and the children down for a week. Of course, it didn't do a thing. Jenny seems to everything now. But it tired me all the same. John says if I don't pick up faster, eh, he shall send me to Weir Mitchell in the fall. Eh, I don't want to go there at all. I had a friend who was in his hands once, and she says it is just so like John and my brother, only more so. Besides, it is such an undertaking to go so far. I don't feel as if it's worthwhile to turn my hand over for anything. I'm getting dreadfully fretful and queerless. I cry at nothing and cry most all the time. Of course, I don't when John is here or anybody else, but when I am alone. And I'm alone a good deal just now. John is kept in town very often by serious cases, and Jenny is good and lets me alone when I want her to. So I walk a little in the garden or down that lovely lane, sit on the porch of the roses, and lie down up here a good deal. I'm getting really fond of the room in spite of the wallpaper, and yeah, perhaps because of the wallpaper it dwells in my mind so I lie here on this great immovable bed it is nailed down I believe and follow that pattern about it's nailed down this is like a horrible room about by the hour and as good as gymnastics I assure you I start we'll say at the bottom down in the corner over where it has not been touched and I determine for the thousandth time that I will follow that pointless pattern to some sort of conclusion I know a little of the principle of design and I know this thing was not arranged on any laws of radiation or alternation or repetition or symmetry or anything else I have ever heard of. It is repeated, of course, by the breaths, but not otherwise. Look at it in one way, each breath stands alone. The bloated curves and flourishes, a kind of debased Romanesque with delirium tremens go waddling up and down in isolated columns of fatuity. But on the other hand, they connect diagonally, and the sprawling outlines run off in great slanting waves of optic horror, a lot like a swallowing seaweeds in full chase. The whole thing goes horizontally, too, at least it seems so, and I exhaust myself in trying to distinguish the order of it going in that direction. They have used a horizontal breath for a freeze, and that adds wonderfully to the confusion. Here's one end of the room where it is almost intact, and there... When the cross lights fade and the low sun shines directly upon it, I can almost fancy radiation, after all. Yeah, the indeterminable grotesques seem to form around a common center and rush off in headlong plunges of equal distraction. It makes me tired to follow it. I'll take a nap, I guess. I don't know why I should write this. I don't want to. I don't feel able. And I know John would think it absurd, but I must say what I feel and think in some way it's such a relief. But the effort is getting to be greater than the relief. Half the time now, I am awfully lazy and lie down ever so much. John says I mustn't lose my strength and has to, to take cod liver oil and lots of tonics and things and say nothing of ale and wine and rare meat. What the hell? Dear John, I loves me so dearly. He hates to have me sick. I tried to have a real earnest, reasonable talk with him the other day and tell him how I wish he would let me go and make a visit to Cousin Henry and Julia. But he said I wasn't able to go, nor able to stand it after I got there, and I did not make out a very good case for myself, for I was crying before I had finished. It is gay to be a great effort, 
for me to think straight. Just this nervous weakness, I suppose, and dear John gathered me up in his arms and carried me upstairs and laid me on the bed, and sat by me and read to me till it tired my head. He said I was his darling, and his comfort, and all he had, and that I must take care of myself for his sake and keep well. He says no one but myself can help me out of it, that I must use my will and self-control and not let any silly fancies run away with me. There's one comfort, and the baby is well and happy. It does not have to occupy this nursery with the horrid wallpaper. If we had not used it, a blessed child would have. What a fortunate escape. Why, I wouldn't have a child of mine, with an impressionable little thing, live in such a room for worlds. I never thought of it before, but it is lucky that John kept me here after all. I can stand it so much easier than a baby, you see. Of course, I never mention it to them anymore. I'm too wise but I keep watch of it all the same. There are things in that paper that nobody knows but me, or ever will. Behind that outside pattern, the dim shapes get clearer every day. It was always the same shape, only uh, very numerous. And it is like a woman stooping down and creeping about behind that pattern. I don't like it a bit. I wonder, I begin to think, I wish John uh, would take me away from here. It's so hard to talk with John about my case because he's so wise and because he loves me so. But I tried it last night. It was moonlight. The moon shines in all around just as the sun does. I hate to see it sometimes. It creeps so slowly and always comes in by one window or another. John was asleep since I hated waking him. So I kept still and watched the moonlight on that undulating wallpaper till I felt creepy. The faint figure behind them seemed to shake the pattern, just as if she wanted to get out. I got up softly and went to feel and see if the paper did move, and when I came back, John was awake. Eh, what is it, little girl? Uh, he said. Don't go walking about like that, you'll get cold. I thought it was a good time to talk, so I told him uh, that I really was not gaining here, and that I wished he would take me away. Oh, I, darling, said he, our lease will be up in three weeks. And I can't see how to leave before. The repairs are not done at home, and I cannot possibly leave town just now. Of course, if you were in any danger, I could and would, but you really are better, dear, whether you can see it or not. I am a doctor, dear, and I know. You are gaining flesh and color, and your appetite is better. I feel really much easier about you. That'll weigh a bit more, said I, nor as much, and my appetite may be better in the evening when you are here, but it's worse in the morning when you're away. Bless her little heart, said he with a big hug. She shall be as sick as she pleases, but now let's improve the shining hours by going to sleep and talk about it in the morning. And you will go away, I asked gloomily. Why, how can I, dear? It's only three weeks more, and then we'll take a nice little trip of a few days while Jenny is getting the house ready. Really, dear, you are uh, better. Better in body, perhaps, I began, and stopped short. For he sat up straight and looked at me with such a stern, reproachful look that I could not say another word. My darling, said he, I beg of you, for my sake and for our child's sake, as well as for your own that you will never, for one instant, let that idea enter your mind. There is nothing so dangerous, so fascinating to a temperament like yours. It is a false and foolish fancy, ha? Huh? You cannot trust me as a physician when I tell you so. 
So, of course, I said no more on that score. And we went to sleep before long. He thought I was asleep first, and I wasn't. I lay there for hours, trying to decide whether that front pattern and the back pattern really did move together on separately. On a pattern like this, by daylight, there's a lack of sequence, a defiance of law. That is a constant irritant to a normal mind. The color is hideous enough, and unreliable enough, and infuriating enough, but the pattern is torturing. You think you've mastered it, but just as you get well underway in the following, it turns a back somersault, and there you are. It slaps you in the face, knocks you down, and tramples upon you. It's like a bad dream. The outside pattern is a florid aberesque, reminding one of a fungus. And if you can imagine a toadstool and joints, an indeterminable string of toadstools, budding and sprouting in endless convulsions, why, that is something like it. That is, sometimes, there's one marked peculiarity about the paper, a thing nobody seems to notice but myself. And that is that it changes as the light changes. When the sun shoots in through the east window, I always watch for that first long straight ray. It changes so quickly that I never quite believe it. That is why I watch it always. By moonlight, the moon shines in all night, and when there is a moon, I wouldn't know it was the same wallpaper. At night, in any kind of light, the twilight, uh, candlelight, lamplight, and worst of all, by moonlight, it becomes bars. The outside pattern, I mean, and the uh, one behind it is as plain as can be. I didn't realize for a long time what the thing was that showed behind, that dim sub-pattern, but now I am quite sure it is a woman. By daylight, she is subdued, quiet. I fancy it's the pattern that keeps her so still. It is so puzzling. It keeps me quiet by the hour. I lie down ever so much now. John says it is good for me and to sleep all I can. Indeed, he started the habit by making me lie down for an hour after each meal. It is a very bad habit, I'm convinced, for you see, I don't sleep. And that cultivates deceit, for I don't tell them I'm awake, oh no. The fact is, I'm getting a little afraid of John. He seems very queer sometimes, and even Jenny has an inexplicable look. It strikes me occasionally, just as a scientific hypothesis, that perhaps it is the paper. I watched John, when he did not know I was looking, and come into the room suddenly on the most innocent excuses, and I've caught him several times looking at the paper. And Jenny, too. I caught Jenny with her hand on it once. She didn't know I was in the room, when I asked her in a quiet, very quiet voice, with the most restrained manner possible, yeah, what she was doing with the paper, she turned around as if she'd been caught stealing and looked quite angry, asked me why I should frighten her so. Then she said that the paper stained everything it touched, that she had found yellow smooches on all the clothes on John's, and she wished we would be more careful. Did not that sound innocent? But I know she was studying the pattern, I'm determined that, Nobody shall find it out but myself. Life is very much more exciting now than it used to be. You see, I have something more to expect, to look forward to, to watch. I really do eat better and more quiet than I was. John is so pleased yeah, to see me improve. He laughed a little the other day and said I seemed to be flourishing in spite of my wallpaper. I turned it off with a laugh. I had no intention of telling him it was because of the wallpaper. He would make fun of me. He might even want to take me away. I don't want to leave now until I've found it out. There's a week more, and I think that'll be enough. I am feeling ever so much better. I don't sleep much at night. 
for it is so interesting to watch the developments, but I sleep a good deal in the daytime. In the daytime, it is tiresome and perplexing. There are always new shoots on the fungus, new shades of yellow all over it. I can't keep count of them, though I've tried continuously. It is the strangest yellow, that wallpaper. It makes me think of all the yellow things I ever saw, not beautiful ones like buttercups, but older ones, the foul, bad yellow things. There is something else about that paper, the smell. I noticed it the moment we came into the room, but with so much air and sun, it was not bad. Now we have a week of fog and rain. Whether the windows are open or not, the smell is here. It creeps all over the house. I find it hovering in the dining room, skulking in the parlor, hiding in the hall, lying in wait for me on the stairs. It gets into my hair. Even when I go to ride, if I turn my head suddenly and surprise it, there's that smell. Such a peculiar odor, too. I have spent hours trying to analyze it to find what it smelled like. That's not bad at first, and very gentle, and quite the subtlest, most enduring odor I've ever met. In this damp weather, it is awful, and I wake up in the night and find it hanging over me. It used to disturb me at first, I thought seriously of burning the house to reach the smell. But now I am used to it. The only thing I can think of is that it is like the color of the paper, a yellow smell. There is a very funny mark on the wall low down near the mop board. A streak that runs around the room. It goes behind every piece of furniture except the bed. A long straight, even smooch, as if it had been rubbed over and over. I wonder how it was done, and who did it, and what they did it for. Round and round and round and round and round. It makes me dizzy. I really have discovered something at last. Though watching so much at night, when it changes so, I have finally found out. The pattern does move. And no wonder the woman behind shakes it. Sometimes I think there's a great many women behind, and sometimes only one. And she crawls around fast, and her crawling shakes it all over. Then in the very bright spots, she keeps still. And in the very shady spots, she just takes hold of the bars and shakes them hard. And she is all the time trying to climb through, but nobody could climb through that pattern. It strangles so. I think that is why it has so many heads. They get through... And then the pattern strangles them off and turns them upside down and makes their eyes white. If those heads were covered or taken off, it would not be so bad. I think that woman gets out in the daytime. And I'll tell you why, privately. I've seen her. I can see her out of every one of my windows. It's the same woman. I know, for she is always creeping. And most women do not creep by daylight. I see her on that long, shaded lane, creeping up and down. I see her in those dark grape arbors, creeping all around the garden. I see her on that long road under the trees, creeping along, and when a carriage comes, she hides under the blackberry vines. Oh, I don't blame her a bit. It must be very humiliating to be caught creeping by daylight. I always lock the door when I creep by daylight. I can't do it at night, for I know John would suspect something at once. And John is so queer now that I don't want to irritate him. I wish he would take another room. Besides, I don't want anyone to get that woman out at night but myself. I often wonder if I could see her out of all the windows at once, but turn as fast as I can, I can only see her out one at a time. And though I always see her, she may be able to creep faster than I can turn. I've watched her sometimes away off in the open country, creeping as fast as a cloud shadow in a high wind. If only that top pattern could be gotten off from under one. I mean, to try it little by little. 
I found out another funny thing that I shan't tell at this time. It does not uh, do to trust people too much. There are only two more days to get this paper off, and I believe John is beginning to notice. I don't like the look in his eyes. And I've heard him ask Jenny a lot of professional questions about me. She had a very good report to give. She said I slept a good deal in the daytime. John knows I don't sleep very well at night, for I'm also quiet. He asked me all sorts of questions, too, and pretending to be very loving and kind, as if I couldn't see through him. Still, I don't wonder he acts so, sleeping under this paper for three months. It only interests me, but I feel sure John and Jenny are secretly affected by it. Hurrah! This is the last day, but it is enough. John is to stay in town overnight, and won't be out until this evening. Jenny wanted to sleep with me, a sly thing. But I told her I should undoubtedly rest better for a night all alone. <laughs> that was clever, for really I wasn't alone a bit. As soon as it was moonlight, and the poor thing began to crawl and shake the pattern, I got up and ran to help her. I pulled, and she shook, and I shook, and she pulled. And before morning, we had peeled off yards of that paper, a strip about as high as my head, and half around the room. And when the sun came, and the awful pattern began to laugh at me, I declared that I would finish it today. We go away tomorrow, and they are moving all my furniture down again to leave things as they were before. Jenny looked at the wall in amazement, but I told her merrily that I did it out of pure spite at the vicious thing. She laughed and said she wouldn't mind doing it herself, but I must not get tired. How she betrayed herself that time. But I am here, and no person touches this paper but me. Not alive. She tried to get me out of the room. But I was too patient. Uh, I said it was so quiet and empty and clean now that I believed I would lie down again and sleep all I could. And not to wake me, even for dinner. I would call when I woke. So now she was gone. And the servants are gone. And the things are gone. And there's nothing left but that great bedstead nailed down with the canvas mattress we found on it. We shall sleep downstairs tonight and take the boat home tomorrow. I quite enjoy the room... Now it is bare again. How those children did tear about here. This bedstead is fairly gnawed. But I must get to work. I have locked the door and thrown the key down the front path. I don't want to go out, and I don't want anyone to come in till John comes. I want to astonish him. I got a rope up here that even Jenny did not find. If that woman does get out and she tries to get away, I can tie her. But I forgot I could not reach far without anything to stand on. This bed will not move. I tried to lift and push it until it was lame, and then I got so angry I bit off a little piece at one corner, but it hurt my teeth. Then I peeled off all the paper I could not reach standing on the floor. It sticks horribly, and the pattern just enjoys it. All those strangled heads and bulbous eyes and wadding fungus, gross and shriek with derision. I'm getting angry enough to do something desperate. To jump out of the window would be admirable exercise, but the bars are too strong even to try. Besides, I wouldn't do it. Of course not. I know well enough that a step like that is improper. It might be misconstrued. I don't like to look out of the windows even. There are so many of those creeping women, and they all creep so fast. I wonder if they all come out of that wallpaper as I did. But I am securely fastened now by my well-hidden rope, you didn't get me out of the road out there. I suppose I shall have to get back behind the pattern when it comes night, and that is hard. 
It is so pleasant to be out in this great room and creep around as I please. I don't want to go outside. I won't, even if Jenny asked me to. For outside you have to creep on the ground and everything is green instead of yellow. But here I can creep smoothly on the floor and my shoulder it just fits in that long smooch around the wall. and I cannot lose my way. Why, there's John at the door. That's ah, no use, young man. You can't open it. How does he call and pound? Now he's crying for an axe. It'd be a shame to break down that beautiful door. Duh, John, dear, said I in the gentlest voice. The key is down by the front steps under the plantain leaf. That silenced him for a few moments. Then he said, very quietly indeed, Open the door, my darling. I can't, said I. The key is down by the front door under the plantain leaf. And then I said it again, several times, very gently and slowly. And said it so often that he had to go and see. And he got it, of course, and came in. He stopped short by the door. What's the matter, he cried. For God's sake, what are you doing? I kept on creeping just the same, but I looked at him over my shoulder. I've gone out at last, said I, in spite of you and Jane. I pulled off most of the paper, and you can't put me back. Now, why would that man have fainted? But he did. And right across my path of the wall, so that I had to uh, creep over him every time. story was depressing as hell. Uh, not like I was expecting it to be a happy-go-lucky fun story. And it's not like the story owes me that anyways. I knew ahead of time that it's about a woman dealing with postpartum depression and how she's not being treated fairly uh, by her physician husband. But the details in there were so disturbing. He, not only to get a... During that era where a woman having... Uh, a case of the nerves was something you just sort of laugh at and dismiss, or you send him away to some sort of institution. Uh, that's bad in itself. But then he puts her in a room that has bars on the windows and big metal rings hanging on the walls and a bed that's nailed down with horrible wallpaper that's torn up and stuff. Who lives in a room like that, even if it's just for three weeks or whatever the time frame was? It's a... Just go get a hotel. Or go stay at a friend's house. You don't rent out a mansion, just sleep in one room. That's weird. And so, yeah, obviously the poor lady uh, fixated on the wallpaper and went down the tubes. The ending is creepy and kind of leaves you with an uneasy feeling. Can I compare myself to that? No. The story's horrible. I can't compare myself to it. But in my own lesser, smaller, more pathetic way, I deal with a spider that I'm convinced is listening and watching me right now. Uh, I have cats that don't care about me, and I don't care about them. And I'm sleeping in different rooms, so I guess I'm getting weird in my own way. Uh, Wish me luck that going back to work uh, this week is going to somehow help things. God, I hope it does. But with that, I hope everyone else is doing well, and uh, that you're all being safe, and everyone you care and love for is also okay. And I will uh, talk to you next week.